guys. Welcome back to My Steps to Sobriety, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. Today is another fantastic day. And it is a fantastic day because I get to chat to Czech Gregory. He is the accidental journalist. He is a man who beams all the way across from the UK to me. And yeah, his accent will give you a little bit of, of some workout for your ears. And that's cool. That's cool. I actually love it. I'm married to an English rose, to a Coventry rose. Uh, and yes, I had uh, I lived with the broad Midlands dialect, uh, an accent, accent. Well, accident, really. It is not, not it's not even a language. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, so we have got a fantastic guest on, and not just because he speaks funny, but also because he speaks very honest about his transformation, about his journey, about the, the people that he has met. And we are talking about some very taboo topics today. We will talk a lot about triggering things such as sexual abuse, childhood sexual abuse, human trafficking and the dark underbelly of a society that is known for its stiff upper lip and during the daytime everything is all right and then in the evening the alcohol comes out and the girls are fucking everything that moves and so do the boys um there's there is england and many other countries are so polarized in their behavior and it's in such environments that sexual abuse and sexual human trafficking can be so beautifully hidden in plain sight. So let's shine the torchlight on it. Jack, welcome to my show. Great to be here. Mm. It is, I mean, I know that, that you are, you describe yourself as the accidental journalist and, and you have written a book uh, that you are at the moment trying to relaunch. Tell us a little bit about that book, um, because that is a very good entrance point to actually into your story. Um, everyone says, oh, oh, one day I will write a book. You actually did it. Tell us a bit about it. So it was my second book, and it was the book I was told not to write. It was the book that I was told would um, get me into trouble, and it, it certainly has. I've, I've had... Um, I've had people after me. I've, I've I've been shouted at in supermarkets and stuff. But um, the book is called Between the Streetlights and Red Lights, and it is about the underbelly of uh, the human trafficking um, trade that goes straight through Europe, straight through England. Um, I wanted to tell the stories of those that had been through it. Um, and the reason I wanted to do that is because when I was younger, I went through abuse. Um, I was abused by my teachers at school, uh, in the special school system. And it's something that is kind of on the periphery of uh, um, of life. and uh, But it's something that people tend to ignore. They you know, they, 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 they try and tr not trivialise it, but they try and keep it behind them. They don't want to listen. They don't... Yeah, um, it, it's got me in a lot of trouble. People have hated it. I've had some hate mail. I've had some nice mail as well saying thank you, but um, I wanted to tell the truth 
a whole chief and nothing but the chief. And, you know, fortunately, that I would say that comes across as quite brutal uh, and honest uh, and open. Um, the, and it certainly opened my eyes. The problem, of course, is that those people who are upset about it probably have something to lose uh, if you make these kind of things public. Um, the average Joe Blocks out there does probably not know too much about it. And they have their own ideals about, um, you know, that's why we go into the cinemas, into the pictures. You see someone like Liam Neeson going out there in Taken and kicking some foreign ass. So you've got conveniently the, the baddies are different skin color, different dressing. They are rich. They're so beautifully categorized as the baddies. When in reality, mm -hmm. the baddies are your fucking neighbors. The baddies are the guys who are actually who you meet in the supermarket and say hello to you. Hey, mate, how is it going? And that is the shocking thing behind it. This is not some weird uh, foreigner that is doing something. No, these are the people that are just around you. How did you find yeah. these people? How did you hear those stories? So I am, um, myself being a survivor of, of, of many things, I'm part of a network, I'm part of a church network, um, and I contacted some people um, through Facebook and, and through email, and um, I asked friends. I have a friend called uh, Maria Landon, um, and there was a couple of brutal books written about her life, one of them called Daddy's Little Learner, And um, that's one of the reasons I wanted to sort of tell these stories. The moment she was born, um, her dad um, held her in his hands, uh, looked at her and said, you're going to be the best little prostitute on the block. Um, and as soon as she could basically walk, he sold her into prostitution. And she went through many years of that um, and then escaped from it. So, um, You know, when I first met her, I was still quite raw about my abuse and stuff like that, so I didn't really talk about it. Mm. And then I started talking to these people, um, talking to these survivors, a lot of them in America. Mm. And um, then I started looking at, actually, some of these things that they'd gone through, some of this grooming, grooming by the adults in their life, grooming by the um, teachers and, and things like that. And I, I, I could see that in my life. So I really identified with it. So then that gave me a mission to want to tell those stories. And, um, that I did. And that's of course brutal because it would have opened so many wounds in your own life. It would have brought so back so many memories that you as a child would have tried so hard to bury with everything and anything you could possibly possibly do when did your own abuse start so um i was brought up in what's called the special school system here in the uk um in the 1980s so in the 1980s in the uk uh, dyslexia She wasn't really recognized. Um, and so I was just seen as a, a, a special child. I was seen as stupid. I always had a good head for words and knowledge, but I couldn't get it down on paper. Mm. So mm. Um, I managed to get through uh, the whole of middle school 
and then one year of high school before they said, no, we'll put you in the thing. And I was put in there, but um, on my eighth birthday, my mum reluctantly told me that I was adopted. um, And that created a massive identity crisis for me at eight years Mm -hmm. old. Eight years old, I went through an existential crisis. And and, um, so in order to deal with that, I, I did many things, but one of them was I would, you know, lie a lot and, and, and pretend um, that I had a, a different life uh, and I would lie a lot to teachers. And then the teachers and these adults in charge then took that on. So when they started grooming me and when they started abusing me, they would say, well, you're a liar. People know you as a liar, so they're never going to believe you. Uh-huh. So, huh. Huh. Never tell. I didn't until huh. a couple of years ago. Wow. Wow. Um, did, when you started telling your own story, did people believe you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've, I've, I've been sober now seven years, just over seven years, seven months. Well done, brother. And when... Uh, Thank you. When COVID hit, um, the first time I really struggled with the isolation. And um, mm-hmm. I have a friend who's a hostage and barricade negotiator. And he said to me, you need to do something. You're very creative. You need to do something. Uh, um, so when the second nice. lockdown hit, we decided nice. we were going to do this um, podcasts. And then I started talking to people like me. Uh, I started talking to people that had been through the same things as I had. I started mm. talking to people that had been through, um, you know, rape and abuse. I started talking to people that have, have lost friends and family to murder and suicide. And so I started identifying with these people on a mm. deeper level, a more spiritual level. Mm. Um, and, you know, I, that's how I became an accidental journalist. I accidentally fell into journalism. I wanted to be an actor um, for many years, and I tried, you know, and I've, I've been in some films and, you know, some big films, and, you know, I'm, I'm still working now. But I just, I, I fell into the journalism and I started talking to these people, and these people were being honest. Hmm. So I thought the, the least I could do was to be honest, um, and I prayed about it, and I spoke with elders at my church, and I knew that I had to get honest and open, and I started speaking about my abuse, mm. and people started saying, I went through that. Mm. That's exactly me. This is exactly what happened to me. Mm. And then I started crying with these people and, and, and laughing with these people, mm. and then more people started saying, come, come on, because talking about it, for me, and doing it in such a creative way is so cathartic mm. Um, you know, I do work steps, um, but I find it so cathartic talking and, and, and just getting across. Mm. When I used, you know, I, I, I would do anything to not talk about it. I would take drugs, I would drink, I would gamble, I would watch pornography, anything to get my mind off of what I was thinking. Mm. Um, and actually, the way that I was treated as a child... I realised that that was manifesting in my mind and that's what I was seeing in relationship. That's why I had to stop watching things like pornography because it's. I, I, I then began to see the exploitation in it and I knew I had to hmm. then tell the truth 
the whole truth mm. and nothing but the truth because mm. if I don't, who else is going to do it? Not many people exactly. will do it. I talk about the true subjects because other people won't. But that's that's who I am. I need to mm. do that. Um, I need to be honest. I, I lived a very dishonest life for a long, long time. You know, um, crime, violence, drugs. It, it took me down some dark roads, um, mm. and I need to needed to be able to let that go. Guilt and shame was something that dogged me for a lot of years, mm. and kind of throw that away to put that take take away that guilt and shame mm. i knew that i had to be honest and to be honest for me it was really really hard because i didn't want to talk about these things that happened because you know when when you're getting abused at 11 years old by a teacher uh, and, and you know you can't tell anybody and it's male teachers and they're passing you about and, and you're questioning your sexuality and, and, and you're doing that mm. then through your, your whole life and you're thinking, mm. what, who am I? You know, the whole thing about identity, I didn't know who I was and I hid that for many years in violence, in drink, in drugs mm. uh, and it's only over this past seven, seven years, seven months that I've mm. started knowing who I am and who I am is mm. a teacher, which is what I need to be. Mm. Because if if we've been through a certain way of life, we need to teach. Because hmm. you know, I don't want people to go through that. Well, exactly. It's nearly like a duty, isn't it? It's it's like like a a force so strong that you simply can't keep it all to yourself. You have gone. I mean, for me personally, I've gone through so much crap, so much so much pain in my life. And let's make that, let's give that some meaning, let's give it some sense. Um, that is all that suffering just so that I've pulled through? No, no, there must be more to that. So why not speak out and actually be that torch in the darkness for someone else? Because there's so many of us out there who have been in very, very, very dark places, far more so than we love to say. And very few of us have found our voice, like you and me being here in public talking about things that are deemed absolutely taboo uh, in most societies out there. So for that, wow, I, I take my hat off. This is, this is one of the hardest things you have ever done. No doubt about that. And that is therefore so commendable and so beautiful. Um, when, when you came out and when you said, me too, was that actually, you said about two years ago, were you encouraged by the Me Too movement that had sort of swept around that time over the um, various countries? Or were there other other factors that moved you to speak out? What was the catalyst? There, there were other factors. There, there were other th factors. Um, the fact that I chose to speak out had a lot to do with I saw... I expected people to speak to me and open up about their lives um, so I could get their stories across. 
Now, if I expect that, mm. I need to be able to show that. Um, the catalyst for me actually was eight years ago, um, and it was March 2015. Um, and my not long before, less than a year before I'd been a homeless addict, hmm. uh, addicted to crack cocaine. I'd lost everything in my life. I'd lost my family, I'd lost my children, um, I'd lost my home, my marriage. And then I'd, I'd, I'd met a woman, uh, she was serving at a food bank. She took pity on me. She took kindness on me and she took me out and, and, and she bought me a meal and she, um, bought me tobacco and she was really nice to me. Um, I married her three years ago, but um, <laughs> we we got together and we'd been together a, a little while. I'd been clean for about six months. Um, I, I gave my uh, will over to God in a crack house and fell asleep and woke up and I haven't used since. But um, March 2015, 9th of March 2015, I got very, very ill. Uh, I ended up in hospital about half past four in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. I could barely breathe. By half past seven, I was dead. Mm. Literally. Um, type two lung failure. Um, tuberculosis, pleurisy. Um, an environmental illness that they hadn't seen in about 50 years because of the way that I'd lived my life in the past. Um, and all these things had just started to attack my body. Um, I'd given up mm. drugs and my body has gone. Um, so I was in mm. hospital. Um, they were pumping me full of hallucinogenic drugs. Um, and I had a complete and utter psychological uh, breakdown. I was convinced that they were trying to poison me with my own blood. I was convinced that I'd caused the end of the world, that I'd given everybody tuberculosis. I know wow. in, 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 in the thing that we're living in now, but um, I was convinced that um, people were dying outside my door of mm. shock through the things that I'd done in my life. Uh, I actually physically heard them holding kangaroo court outside the door, um, and only one person was sticking up for me. All the rest wanted to kill me. And I just, I broke down so, so badly, so, so badly. There were people from my church coming to sit with me and pray with me. Um, I'm, I've, I've since been told they came to pray for my soul because they thought they were going to lose me again. Um, I was shouting at them, spitting at them, screaming at them. And then, um, I don't know, some, some clarity. That was for about two weeks. That happened for about two weeks. They sectioned me when I was in hospital. Um, and then I met Jesus at the end of my bed. Clear as day, I met Jesus at the end of my bed and he told me it was going to be all right. And I started getting this clarity back. I was 79 pounds. I weighed 79 pounds. I'm a six okay. foot one male that weighed 79 pounds. I had to learn to walk again. Oh. I, I, I couldn't, I, my mouth was full of sores. But I, start, I had to learn to eat again. Um, you know, before I'd been put in hospital, my life was going quite good because I got a job. But while I was in hospital, I got made redundant. Um, but that, it, it turned out to be a good thing. I got £200 redundancy money. They said to me, if I hit eight, eight stone, I could leave the hospital. 
So I was eating their food and then going downstairs in the canteen, buying my own food. People were bringing me in tins of um, bacon grill and spam, and the nurses were cooking it in the ward. <laughs> uh, because I would eat. This is, you know, they got so attached to me. Yeah. Um, I, um, because of my story, and, and then I started eating, and they were so happy, they started cooking it. And then on a the night, I was getting two for one pizzas, one for me, one for the nurses, and um, <laughs> I started getting better. Um, Excellent. And then... Hey, which, know, which hospital was that? Where was that? That, that was the Norfolk and Norwich, um, right. uh, in a place called uh, Norwich just... In, in well, Norfolk. Yeah, exactly. Um, a shout out to the nurses, to all the nurses out there, guys. Yeah. You are gorgeous, and that is the yeah. typical. That is what I love to hear about our profession. Is beautiful. Mm. So a big shout out to them. <laughs> yeah, they they were lovely. I'm still friends with my my nurse Jackie. Yeah. Um, in fact, yeah. I get my kid kids some guinea pigs. Um, <laughs> you know. Um, and then I started going back to church. I started putting weight on. And uh, people started seeing my, you know, seeing me, this man that had gone through so much and this man that had been a violent gangster at one point. They saw him turned inside out after he met Jesus. Mm. Um, and then people started talking to me. I wrote my first book, A Personal Apocalypse, which is about what happened in the hospital and my poetry that I wrote through my life. And then I'd, I'd written, uh, then I spent six months working with these people. And then I wrote that book. Um, and then people started saying, you know, we want to hear more. So when the second lockdown came and I, I started doing this, people started listening. And um, people started being honest. And then I knew that if people were going to be honest with me, I needed to be honest with them. And my platform isn't about me. Um, you know, I, I run this thing called Live and Undrugged. It's not about me, it's about them. You know, I get people on, they tell their stories, and then if I, you know, get on with that story in any way, if it touches me in any way, I will give them my feedback. But as far as I'm concerned, it's it's their platform. And then mm. I just started getting honest, and then I start getting people, you know, mm. like yourself, Asking me if I want you, you know, want us to come on their platform, mm, and mm, I, you know, mm. I've been very blessed to be able to speak America, Australia, mm. Um, mm. you know, Austria next week. Uh, you, um, no, that's so beautiful. It's, it's it's amazing. My 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 life yeah. is amazing, but it's it's been easy. Absolutely, and that is, but that's the beautiful thing. The past does not equal the future. That's again and again and again the same mantra every day I live by it because it is you get to choose every second about your actions. You can't choose anything about your circumstances, although you can work way on them. Uh, but what has happened in the past has happened in the past. Regardless if you were involved actively, if you were just a passive victim, uh, whatever has happened, it has happened. But right now you can make choices and those those choices are so fundamentally important because by you speaking out and us today talking that's an hour of therapy for me and for you 
So our mental yeah. health is growing, our resolve is strengthening, our will is becoming better. And it's like a, like a muscle that we train. We train ourselves yeah. to speak out. We train ourselves to live through emotions that we normally would have run a mile from. The shame, the guilt, yeah. all that kind of shit. I mean, it is anger, resentment. God, that was me in a nutshell. I was a very angry man. And I, I was numbing that with alcohol in, in bloody industrial amounts. So that is what we do. We run away from it. We hide from it. We, and it's, it's, it's such an insidious disease, addiction, because it actually helps us in that moment. Because the alternative, feeling that pain is so brutal and is so, so dark for you, you'd do anything to escape from that pain. And that is why you drink, yeah. that is why you use. So it is yeah. that the, the using is not, is not the issue. Oh, it is the issue, you need to start with that. But if you don't address the underlying problems, you will never, ever, ever get out of your addiction because the problems are oh, still exactly. there, your suffering is still there. So now, I mean, that's where you are so strong. That's where you are here. You're dealing with the demons that are causing you to drink. And that is beautiful. Yeah. That makes you superhuman. Okay, man, you're my Spider-Man. You're my, my, see, no, no spider was involved in the making of this man. Uh, oh, <laughs> a, a guy called Jesus was involved. Okay, fair call, I'll take that. Um, but whatever it was, you're speaking out now and you're getting stronger and you're getting, you're finding your voice. There's a power in that that is unbelievable. Yeah, because... It was so long I felt like I didn't have a voice. I was a homeless addict. Homeless addicts don't have a voice. Um, I, I was a mentally ill man. Mentally ill men don't have a voice. Um, you know, I, I went through all this and I felt that I didn't have a voice. Or mm. if I did have a voice, it was like shouting into a wind tunnel. Mm. And, it, you know, people weren't hearing me because there's such a stigma mm. against... Strong men, and there's such a to toxicity against um, strong men speaking out about their truth because people get scared of the truth. Um, I will speak out about the things that I have been through and I will be truthful about it. There is, there's so many men that uh, I've, I've, I've lost a lot of people over the past year to suicide, a lot of men. Um, you know, as a man, I didn't get the help that I needed when I got made homeless. Hence, my situation ended up worse. Um, men, no, there's nobody speaking up for men. Though so I needed to speak up for, I speak up for women as well, everybody in mental health. But mentally ill men, that there's such a stigma around it and there's such a, oh, you know, men don't speak about that, you know. Uh, they do. Mm. They do. Real men speak about that because real men cry, real men. Um, have lost the world, you know. Um, when I, when my niece was murdered by her father, I broke, I broke hard, you know. I, I was, I was so, I stayed sober. The, I mean, this, this was only five years, not even five years ago, and you know, she was two days old, and it broke my sister, and it, it broke me, and I knew that I couldn't go back to drugs because drugs and mental illness and trauma is a disconnection from life. Mm. 
from ourselves, from reality, um, from God. And uh, the opposite of uh, trauma and addiction is connection. So we need to build these connections and fire up these connections because connection heals. Hence, one of the reasons I do this, to bridge connections between men and women, um, anybody that's going through anything. I know what it's like to lose somebody on, on a, a violent level, but I also know what it's like to live a violent life. And it drags men down and it drags them to the point of suicide. You know, I've been sat there with a gun in my mouth. I, I've, I've, I've been there many times. Um, and there's people that have helped me come out of it mm. um, because they've been so open and honest about the way mm. that they felt. And if I can save one person mm. from taking that route, that's my job done. You know, I, I get I get messages mm. every month or so saying thank you for what you're doing because, you know, I listened. Mm. And and that to me, that 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 really touches my heart. Um there are, obviously there are people out there that know me, that knew me from before. They say, you know, you know, we'll come out with all these toxic uh, sayings like, you know, um, you can't teach an old dog new tricks or a leopard can't change its spots. Well, no. A leopard can't change its spots because that will be a physical manifestation. That can't happen. That's a physical impossibility. Mm. But what is a possibility is that leopard can get tamed. Mm. That leopard can change its behaviour mm. um, by taking certain steps and learning to trust. Mm. Mm. And that's what I did. I trusted nobody mm. because of what I'd been through. And I learned to trust. So there's a handful of people that I trust. Um, there's a handful of people that I have a deep connection with that want only one thing for me, and that is to have a better life. Um, and then that enables me then to be there for other people. Because mm. um, without my... Um, support network I wouldn't be able to offer that support which I do mm. um, you know I've, I have changed I'm a different man to who I was there are mm. those that won't believe it there, there are those <laughs> that say oh no you know you'll go back to it you know or you know you, you can't change I'm not that same man mm. I'm not that man that was dying in the hospital bed no, I'm a completely different person because I've learned about identity. Yeah. I've learned who I am. These things I didn't know, this identity without drugs, without drink, without all these crutches, this identity, hmm. the, the, you know, the, the, the social structure I've got around me, my family, my friends, my community, my um, hmm. teachers, the people in my church hmm. um you, you know this is all things that i could never have dreamed of having you know uh was it yesterday yeah yesterday i spent two hours speaking to 30 gps in training about addiction and about my story yeah um brilliant I could never have thought about that yeah. You know, and I had a, a friend of mine from church went, you know, she, she's, she trains doctors and she's like, can you come in and talk about it? 
So I did, you know. I've I've I've, I've worked on some major films hmm. because of the life that I've lived. And I know this is the reason that I have the life now because I took these certain steps. You know, my steps to sobriety right there behind you. Every everything has been a step for me. You know, that couldn't be more prevalent for me, my steps to sobriety. Mm. And it's, I'm not just talking about the 12 steps of mm. Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous. I'm talking about the steps that we take to step over fear, the steps we take to step Absolutely. over the giants. You know, you have to remember, David was a 17, you know, the biblical David, he was a 16, 17-year-old sheep herder. Mm. Right? And then he's, he's facing this giant called Goliath. And not only did he slay this giant with well, one stone, he picked up three other stones and went and slayed his three other brothers. This was, is because he stepped out in faith and listened to God and listened to his own instincts. And that's what we have to do. That's what I do. And that is the only reason that, you know, mm. even where I am, my shed, with my VHS and my things, my little sanatorium away from the five kids running about. But it's amazing. I've got an amazing life, and it's not, not always easy. We're still skin. <laughs> we still haven't got one there. Yeah. There's still a pandemic out there. There's still a useless prime minister that is leading the country down a down a path. Um, I agree you know, with you. You know what? Do you know what? It could Sorry, be are you talking about New Zealand now or the UK? No, I'm talking about the UK. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, I <laughs> yes, you're right. Both are true. <laughs> oh, dear. But no, you're so right. You're so right. It, but it is, you are speaking out. You are taking action. You're making every day, you make a decision. Every hour, every minute, every second, you get to make decisions. And you have taken that as not, for granted but you have taken it as the privilege that it is so here you are you made that call of coming onto my show you made that call therefore to show your you being a leader to show you to your kids hey guys dad is now being a guest on a show and he's talking honestly about the shit that he has gone through now that is leadership that is being a dad that is being a, a strong man because a strong man admits to what he has done a strong man takes it on the chin uh, and not in a toxic kind of stupid way but actually has ownership of his life yes i've been a nasty piece of work then and then in my life i've done things that i'm so not proud of but that was then And here are the reasons why I did it. Not to excuse myself, but to just explain myself. That was me being very sick, very ill in my mind. And for that, I do apologize. That is where the making amends come in. That is where, where a 12-step program allows you to do that, to focus on that. Whilst some of the other programs might not necessarily have that 
in there, but you're rather focusing on the future. You're focusing there on the new life that you want to build up. And I'm all for that. Yet there are things that you have to deal with in your past before you can really 100% focus on the new life that you want to create and which you want to live. So I think both things are important. You can't have one without the other because sooner or later, if you just build up this, 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 this dream and turn this dream into a mission, which is exactly what I want you to do, but without dealing with the past, eh, nope, because you're just running away. You're essentially doing nothing else than drinking. You're doing nothing else than using. You're just distracting yourself now forward rather than deal with the shit that happened in the past. And that will come exactly. that will come back to bite you. No two ways around that. Wow. It has done before. You know, I, I had 12 years of sobriety and yeah. then I ended up homeless and back on gear. Mm. Um, you know, I am not my past. Mm. I am not the things that I've done in my past, mm. right? I own them. I take ownership of them yeah. because that's what a responsible person does. Mm. If I want to take responsibility for the good things that happen in my life, I have to take responsibility for the bad things that have happened in my life. Mm. And that means the bad decisions. That means those decisions that led me to try and punch my way through my ex-wife's solid pine door because she wouldn't let me see my daughter then <sighs> when I was raped. But I didn't hear that. We, we don't hear that. We, we just hear, I'm not allowed to see my daughter. Mm. And that's it, right? So my daughter, who was six at the time, is being <sighs> looked after by her sister, who is... 18, 19 at the time, and there's this madman who she loves very much trying to punch his way through a solid pine door. This is not the action mm. of a sane man. This is the action of an insane man. And that's where my life took me. My life took me to insanity. Mm. My life took me to jails, institutions, and literal death. Mm. And it's only because I came out through the other side my daughter was able to, you know, you know forgive mm. my actions uh, because she can see the work that I've put in. Mm. Mm. There was a time when I used to go to meetings and I would sit in the meetings and I would see these people and they would have the car, the woman, the family, house, and I, I want that, I deserve that. Yeah, I was leaving that meeting and going and using because I was willing to put in work. It's only by looking at our traumas and dealing with the past mm. that we can live within today, which then enables us to walk into the future. Mm. We're no longer in the victim mentality. We've gone from victim to survivor. The mm. next natural step from survivor is thriver. And mm. that is what we're now doing. We're thriving by teaching, if you can teach, teach. If you can't teach, teach. Because we need more teachers. We need more yeah. father figures, brother yeah. figures, yeah. mother figures, yeah. grandfather figures. We need these people in our lives. A lot of people don't have, you know, people don't have, often have, you know, there are people that don't have fathers or a good view of fathers or people don't, don't have a good view of mothers. Mm -hmm. We have to set the standard. 
in sobriety, in clean time, in recovery, hmm. we have to set the standard. We are held to a much higher standard than what you would say normal people are. Yeah. Because my divergent yeah. brain will take me off in any direction it can if I do not focus. <laughs> and people know that I'm only one step away from being back in the gutter. So they hold people like me yeah. to a higher standard yeah. because if we fail, we fail royally and it leads to jails, institution and death. <laughs> and if we don't fail uh. and we start to succeed, that leads to speaking in jails, teaching in institutions and avoiding death. Hmm. And that is our, my primary purpose is to teach. And I love it. It's my... It's my all, and it's all because a woman that was told, you know, don't don't listen to him. Um, and she 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 you know she took pity on me. She liked my t-shirt. Uh, she took me out for a meal, and then you know she took a chance on me. The reason <laughs> I have the life and the career that I have today is because a director took a chance on me. Um, the reason that my I wrote my books is because I took a chance on me hmm. and my partner took a chance on me um, and I was honest. Now, I could write a load of lies in a book and people would know because they've been there with me. <laughs> so, you know, you can't lie to yourself, can you? If you're writing an autobiography, but why lie? Hmm. Because... There's no point you're just lying to yourself, and, and, and that is the biggest hmm. treacherous act you can do to be a traitor to yourself. <laughs> and that's why I'm here, why I'm sat in the shed, it's why I'm speaking to you, it's why I speak hmm. to other people every day because yeah. it's my it's my medicine, it's my life. It's so hmm. cathartic to me, peace makes me happy and it makes me smile beautiful absolutely beautiful and that is the power that we are growing within us and it's a very active thing to do this this uh you need to show yourself the love you sh need to show yourself the, the respect the dignity uh and you do that by every day living a life of integrity now, integrity means that you do things, do the right things when no one is watching. Okay, you yes. uh, hold yourself accountable. And mm -hmm. it is it is actually a really beautiful, beautiful feeling. Last night I came home, I had worked 12 hours straight in my job, came home, my wife had cooked me something and I was, oh yes, thank you, so I had that. Uh, and then there were things to be done that I didn't want to do. And, you know, chores and, and things. And I hated it. And I would have so liked not to do it. But I actually forced myself and said, no, come on, man, be a man and do what is what needs to be done. And whilst it took me about two, three minutes to, to jump over the stinking thinking um, thereafter, once I had done that chore 20 minutes later, I thought, okay, feels good <laughs> that was me despite being tired dead tired walking uh it just felt good doing the right thing so i'm getting a kick out of integrity i'm getting a 
kick out of out of doing the right things doing those things then in the past i would have cheated on i would have hidden from i would have not even contemplated because i was so in so caught up in the world of pain and and trying to escape from that pain so uh, that is so beautiful so is is it fun to weed in the garden? No. Is it fun to wash up? No. Uh, don't don't think that any of these bloody things that need to be done uh, are anywhere fun. But you can make them fun by just actually saying, hey, I do that now. And it's something that other people struggle with. That feels good. Or you can put some music on and actually go for it. You know, it is, is, is go nuts. Who says you have to live a normal life? You like to dress up in 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 I don't know funny clothing whilst you're uh, you're doing house chores. Go for it. Do them naked. Go for it. Who's watching? Well, don't pull the curtain open, okay? Maybe close the curtains, but who the fuck cares? Who the fuck cares? However you do what needs to be done, and it puts a smile on your face. You're a winner, one a double winner, because not only have you done the chore, you have also done, you've jumped over your own shadow. And that's powerful. That's, that's taking action and taking action in the right way. In recovery, we say you either work on your sobriety or you work on your relapse. The same holds true yeah. with integrity. The same holds true with mental uh, wellness or illness. Um, you, there are many things that you can do when you get the basics right and you show yourself the love. Then it is so much more unlikely that you slip back into the darkness. And that is that's something, it sounds so stupid, but that is the, the key to survival for people like Jack and me. So, no, we can do, we can do amazing things, all of us. And, Jack, you have made your mess, your message. You are there, going out there to make this world a little bit of a better place, one interview at a time, one book at a time, and that is such a beautiful journey. Man, I'm, wow, I'm humbled that you came onto my show. I'm humbled that you that you told your story to me and all the others out there and that you encouraged us to to live an authentic life and to to speak out and do something about those things that that have hurt you in the past and let's not be stupid hurt people hurt people um so ultimately there is a vicious cycle going on and you can disrupt that if you are aware of what is actually driving you, what is happening. So it, it doesn't mean to say that your children will be equally affected by negativity, by toxicity, by nasty things happening. There is a risk, there's a chance, but it's by no means a given. And they will be very different children now they have observed you, Jack, in your growth, in your transformation. It's so much more likely that they actually use their words and their mindfulness rather than their fists or a knife to sort out their frustration. Do you see that actually? Yeah. Do you notice that? Do you notice changes in your children where they suddenly take leadership roles within a family or within their friendship circle? Yeah, I mean, I, I I do with. I've always been honest with them. Um, you know, in my sobriety, I've always been honest with them, as honest as I could be. You know, my youngest one was um, eight the other day, but um, you know, I try to be as honest as I can. And 
some of my children have behavioural problems. Mm. They have, um, you know, ADHD and, and, and things like that. Uh, they have anger issues. Mm. Um, and there are times when I just, I can't always deal with it and I shout. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a human being, I'm a parent, and sometimes shouting is needed. But, you know, it affects me as much, if not more, as it affects them. But I mm. try to teach them that, there are alternative ways out there that, you know, when when the boy is losing his temper and he's saying, I can't help it, well, you can because you can change that one thing. You don't have to change it all, just change that one thing. And then when you've got that one thing down, then you change the next thing, mm. you know. Um, exactly. For some people, a win is getting out of bed. That's brilliant. Mm. You know, keep focusing on that. Keep focusing on getting out of bed. Then focus on making that bed. Mm. And then w when you're getting out of bed and you're making that bed, focus yeah. on getting a shower. Yeah. These these are all little things. And, you know, I know some people say, well, you shouldn't have to tell people all that. Yeah. You know, what you do is some you do. I have to tell my, my daily basis, get up. Get on your feet, hmm. get dressed, you know. And the responsibilities out there, like doing the school run hmm. and taking the kids where they need to be, <laughs> um, doing these chores that we don't want to do. But do you know what? They're not just chores; they're blessings because my life could be a hell of a lot worse. Oh. My life was a hell of a lot worse hmm. when I didn't focus on chores, and I I was only selfish in that thought. That thought was only for me. Now I have my children to think of, you know, my blended family. I have mm. my wife to think of. I not, I don't just have my children and my wife to think of. I'm a known person in my community. I have my community to think of. I am uh, a grateful mm. server in my church. I serve pretty much every day for my church in different roles because... I have a serving heart, and a serving mm. heart is a grateful heart, and a mm. grateful heart is a sober heart. Mm. And if I can focus on that and not focus on me, but focus on my community, on my family, on mm. my children, and on the things around me, not focusing on me, that's not a bad thing because then I'm a grateful recovering addict. There's nothing worse than an ungrateful recovering addict or a dry mm. recovering addict. Mm. Because it's that stinking thinking. You said mm -hmm. that earlier, stinking thinking. You know, I hate that thinking because it drives us back. <laughs> Ungratefulness. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't like being ungrateful. There are times mm -hmm. when I wake up and think, F it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that happens. But sometimes that day's not going great. Sometimes that day starts to get crap at 10 o'clock in the morning. But you know what? Whether it's 10 o'clock in the morning or 4 o'clock in the afternoon, start that day again. Exactly. And if I look at it with that, if I look at it with a sober heart, I just might get through to, to, till tomorrow. And then if I can get through tomorrow, I just might tomorrow be able to deal with that day and then get through that day. Mm. And I've pretty much managed to do that for the past seven years. Nearly eight, and it's hmm. grateful heart is a loving heart, hmm. you know. 
Love um, it. When you're selfish, when you're selfish, when you're using, when you're selfish mm. and you're disconnected from everything, you can't even love yourself. <laughs> um, so and true. If you can't love yourself, how can you love other people? Mm. You know, this is why the relationships mm. fail. You can't love yourself. You can't love other people. Mm. Um, I've, you know, been on addiction and profess my love for my daughter and I would do anything for my daughter but how could I show love if I couldn't show love to myself hmm. um, the way that I show love is to show yep. that man that was six stone six that man that was sat in that hospital bed screaming at people hmm. trying to attack people. that man that wouldn't eat that man that couldn't see you because you thought that there were really bad things happening. Hmm. Actually, that man isn't that man anymore. You know, hmm. and um, I, I think my gratitude really hit when um, not long after I got out of hospital, when I decided I wanted to get baptized, and we went to the church and. We, we believe in full submersion baptism. Hmm. And there were three other people getting baptised on that day. One of the people, one of the younger lads, his dad came. His dad was the specialist that took care of me in hospital. His dad was my lung specialist. Right? Now tell me God doesn't exist and God doesn't have a sense of humour. <laughs> You know, they, they, these are the things that give me a grateful heart and these are the things that make me smile. And because <laughs> I can smile today, I can help spread a smile. Mm. Well, that's well, all that really, isn't it? Beautiful, beautiful. Jack, I mean, uh, you will... You will ring true with many people out there who are listening. Um, if they want to know more about you, where can they find you? Where can they get your book, for example, right. to read more about you? So I am currently raising money for my books um, to re-release. Mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to raise a set amount, £500. I'm trying to raise at the minute. Um, now, if you go to facebook.com forward slash Greg, that is the Accidental Journalist Facebook page. On there, you can access all of my videos. If you don't have Facebook and you don't want to do Facebook, which many people don't want to do these days, jwgreg.wordpress.com. Everything about me and about my life is on there. It's a bit of a rabbit hole, which is why it says welcome to the rabbit hole, because there's about 300 hours of videos. Um, you can get access to my book. You can donate. Um, for five pound, here's what I'll do. For five pound, anyone that contacts me on the uh, Facebook page and says they want to donate five pound, I will send you the link to my Google Drive, which has the PDF for the first book, A Personal Apocalypse, um, the PDF for my second book, Between the Streetlights and Red Lights, um, my audio book for my first book, uh, and my spoken word album. Um, and I will send you the link and you can download everything from there. Um, just drop me a message and I will give mm. you 
where you can donate to. Um, and then once I raise the money, I will be then whacking it back out on things like Amazon and uh, eBay and things like that. Um, mm. Yeah. Beautiful. Stories that need to be told. And now that's wonderful. Guys down there, have a look into the description of the YouTube video and of the podcast. You get all the information there for your convenience. Whilst you're down there, press on the subscribe and like button and uh, do me a favor. Just go out there, tell your mates about the, what you've listened to. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell the woman in the supermarket. Tell them, hey, there's this really cool, cool dude out there. He is a bit weird, but... He actually speaks very honestly about those things that are really important. And maybe we can grow that show. Maybe with your help, guys, we can get more subscribers. We can find more people because there are so many shows out there. There is so much going on out there for crying out loud. Everyone and his dog will, is having a podcast. Most of them don't yeah. survive longer than, than a few months. And that's intriguing. And it just shows that it takes commitment. And uh, yeah, there are many paper tigers out there as far as shows are concerned. Mine is not. I mean, this is, we're coming close to 250 interviews. Uh, and I will not stop anytime soon because it is such a beautiful journey to connect with people like Jack to make this world a little bit of a better place one interview at a time and I'm honored and I'm humbled by the 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 rawness and the authenticity of my guests it is a beautiful 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 feeling and so guys yeah go out there spread the word help me make this uh, this uh, youtube channel make this podcast reach more people so that we can start changing lives that is what this is all about i want to be the bringer of hope so does jack we want to be the merchants of hope the torches in the light of, of the darkness of others uh, let's let's go out there and let's make this world a different place so Jack, thank you so much for coming onto my show. I'm really, really, I mean every single word I said about my gratitude towards you. Uh, thank you so much for coming onto my show. Thanks for having me. Cool. I've enjoyed it. And you guys out there, I believe in you. Stay strong and look after yourself. Bye.